What's up, Georgia Bulldogs fans? My name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to and watching episode 231 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. I'm joined, as usual, by my two co-hosts, Will Leach and Tony Waller. And on today's episode, let me see if I can remember. I have my notes. We talk about Tiger King. Yes, Will and Tony give their review on that. Uh, I mean, there's no sports, so you might as well talk about that. Uh, Virtual G-Day is happening on Saturday, where on the SEC Network, they're playing Georgia Notre Dame... 2019, so last year's game. So, and then also on the show, Will brings up the college football playoff meeting that they had with uh, Vice President Pence, and uh, how basically what they came up with is if there's no students in the school, there's going to be no college sports or no college football. So that'll be something interesting to watch and monitor, and we discuss that on the show. And then finally, Will shares kind of a unique. Uh, I guess commentary, if you will, on Jake Fromm's legacy, which uh, he shares at the end of the show. Oh, yeah, don't forget, we do have Georgia football Jeopardy. Let's see how the guys do this time around on Jeopardy. And yeah, that's it. We're going to go ahead and get started with the episode. Thanks for tuning us in. Hope you're uh, staying safe. And yeah, enjoy the episode. So, yeah, we're all recording. It's uh, Your house looks nice. It, it, you know, I tell you what, guys. I don't think that uh, this is too much of an overstatement. If we're going to be stuck at home for 33 days straight, I think I can count on two fingers of days we've had bad weather. So we have been very blessed with awesome spring weather. (laughs) I mean, I'm aware of it occasionally, but I've started having class more outside lately. I'm doing this podcast outside. We did the YouTube uh, thing uh, outside. Trying to do more things outside uh, as a general rule because I cannot get my parent, my children to understand this. I cannot understand why. Like it's going to be 80, 145 degrees in like a month and a half and they will not want to go outside then so they will appreciate a time like now. But they won't. They keep, they keep, uh, they keep not wanting to get, go outside. This has been one of the busiest work weeks I've had in uh, some time. This has been my home for eight to ten hours a day. Uh, although I will probably do some some of my stuff outside tomorrow out on the back porch, um, just because it's uh, some of the stuff is more spread out and I don't have to have the computer plugged in the entire time. This isn't going to be posted until after tomorrow. So can you tell us? Here's your scoop. Okay. Kyle Trask, even though we're not going to play football this year, is your Heisman winner. All right. Well, that's very exciting. That's very exciting. I assumed I was going to give it to him anyway. Yeah. Well, everybody else has. So, um, <laughs> Well, why don't you all uh, give me your thoughts? Oh, before we get on that, I, I did go to the Georgia Dogs website today uh, for some pre-show material, you know, some research. And they had a big banner up saying, on this day, uh, something happened. Uh, so on... April 16th, we're recording on April 16th. April 16th, 1993. Tony, you have a guess of something really important uh, for the school and athletics as a whole happened? Um, it has to do with the sport. With a sport. A particular sport. Something great happened. Is this a golf thing? No, Will. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, so it's an actual sport. Uh, Got it. <laughs> I mean, my first guess would have been Jim Donovan was hired, but that that wouldn't that's not right. No. So. Nope. the uh, the Jim Dogs won the national championship. Oh. oh, was that the fifth in the row? I don't remember, or I don't know. Yeah. Five. But weeks. that's good. Um, yeah. So there's your. That's the trivia to start. 
the podcast, but we have a big Jeopardy round at the end of this podcast that both of y'all can look forward to, and so can the listeners. Oh, good. So, so Tony, you uh, I don't know what you got planned for us, Scott, but I have to say, Tony, you hit on something that uh, I think really probably has to lead any sort of conversation that we're, that, a, that a Georgia football podcast is going to have, which is, to me, the, the rather big scoop uh, that uh, Stu Mandel and um, the other guy um, and uh, uh, had from The Athletic, which is from the conversation with Vice President Pence that the commissioners and the vice and the school presidents had essentially uh, the news item that came out of that. Cause most of these things I will say, well, like when the, all the commissioners met with Trump, there was not a lot of news that came out of that, but there was news that came out of the Pence thing, which is uh, they have all confirmed that there will not be college football until students are back. There will be no college football played without students physically on campus. That does not mean uh, that that did not seem to leave a lot of leeway to virtual classes or anything along those regard. That that was the big news I thought that came out of that. And I have to say, you know, again, whenever we talk about any sport, uh, we do not know. We do not know what's going to happen. I'd be hesitant, uh, be suspicious of anyone that has any certainty about anything at all at this point. But... One thing that seems to be clear is if there are not students on campus, there will not be college football. Yeah, I thought it was a both a smart position from you know, the legality of everything that's coming down the pike on student athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, a surprisingly smart decision on the part of the college presidents. And, and early, also, early and, too. Right. Yeah. And also a pragmatic one, right, mm-hmm. is that – I think you. I think they recognize from a public relations standpoint the problems with putting putting in particular football players uh, in some sort of jeopardy. However you want to frame that, um, as you look at how they are going to come back on campus, how you're going to keep them safe, how you can keep them healthy, but then you're also not letting the general population of your college students back. Um, it's just on top of being. Um, a, a savvy legal maneuver on their part of uh, clinging to whatever vestiges of um, student at the student part of student athlete you, you can. It's a, a pretty savvy move on their part in thinking about um, and think just think about the practicalities and how it will look from a public relations standpoint. Um, I thought it was frankly, I, I it was probably the most reasonable take uh, I've heard in three weeks about college football season. Um, and part of that is you have a lot of writers who would be writing about things like recruiting and recruiting visits and in spring practices and um, you know the the number of uh, the number of, of beers uh, beer cans thrown mm-hmm. out of a quarterback's uh, apartment in Knoxville and mm-hmm. all the things that go with that. <laughs> um, so you know now there's an entire uh, there's an entire group of of college football writers who are all very good and very talented. Um, and, having to write about something and uh there's been a lot of of noise and nonsense but this was actually it was reasoned and reasonable uh and considering the people in that room i'll take that yeah i i, I felt the same way uh, andy staples was the other guy but yeah, staples, yeah. andy, staples name fell out of my head sorry about that but yeah i have to say it did feel Listen, this is kind of my beat now of um, of what's happening with which sports and which things are uh, what people are trying to figure out. 
And it, you know, I I have to say, and I talked, I was on my friend Bernie Miklas's uh, podcast uh, uh, radio show this morning talking about this. I have to say, there's a certain reflexive. Um, I, this is a very online thing. A certain reflexive, whenever like any sports league tosses out the idea, any idea of maybe getting some sort of sports to happen this year, everyone's like, "You guys are stupid. You guys, are, this is dumb. Why would you even think about stuff like this?" And I feel like people can chew gum and walk at the same time. I think it yeah. is reasonable for people to be able to uh, uh, float ideas and try out new things. The idea that you're going to have a typical baseball season or a typical NFL season or a typical NBA season, obviously it's not going to be that. But the idea that uh, that you should not explore something for people, uh, to me, is, is uh, not only dumb, but uh, even kind of irresponsible because I think people actually want it. And I think, you know, I know online discourse leads, this will come as a shock to you guys, but online discourse uh, leads to uh, uh, histrionic uh, demonstrative overreactions uh, in, Bro, the, uh, in, pre- in performative uh, fashion to show that <laughs> you are more serious than everybody else is. Uh, but I do think that... Uh, I don't know if it's gonna, I don't know if baseball is going to work. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if NFL is going. I don't know if some of these things are going to try and are going to work. But I'm glad that they are trying them. But I will say, with this college football thing, the thing I loved about that meeting was exactly what you're talking about, Tony. The idea of listen, everybody wants college football to happen. Everyone wants to figure this out, but no students, no games. That is basic and simple and understandable. And so now we got a goalpost, right? We got a goalpost. That is your thing. Can you get students back to campus? If you can, there will be football. And if you can't, there will not be football. That, that's, there's a goal. Let's figure it out. I kind of appreciated the clarity of that conversation. Uh, and frankly, the bowing to reality at an early stage that uh, I did appreciate. Well, you know, the thing that yeah. it makes me think about is the realism or the realistic chance that all schools on Georgia's 2020 schedule are going to be in session at the same time or all going to start at the same time or really look at the SEC schedule. Um, Some schools might be back in, some might not. So that to me, if I'm kind of thinking ahead, that would either mean a commuted schedule or shifting around some dates if they're trying to create a whole 12-game schedule. Um, which is both uh, terrifying because that means that college football might not happen and we might still be in this uh, quarantine, and then also intriguing to where if, uh, say, East Tennessee State fell off or uh, you know Virginia even, uh, who are you going to either match it with or are you just going to go with nine, ten, eight games, whatever's left? Well, I think part of what, uh, what you hit on there is I mean, there's a state immediately to our west that we played the third game of the season in their flagship institution that still has not implemented social distancing, still hasn't implemented some other uh, measures. Uh, well, I mean, they have. They, they said you should. They haven't implemented them. Right. Um, They've suggested it, right? right. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's 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 kind of like um, yeah, it's, it's a suggestion. So, um, you know, you do bring up a good point. Is that when they say we can't conceive of a football season until the students are back on campus and taking classes. What does that mean? I mean, there is, is entirely a world where uh, places like places that where things happened early and, and and people acted quickly, uh, Washington, New York, maybe California, maybe Michigan, um, maybe Athens as opposed to surrounding areas of Athens. Amen. Well, sure. Um, 
but it, where you or I mean, there could be places where things are back to whatever the normal will be until there's a vaccine or, or antibody test or however. I, I'm not a scientist. I don't know. But until things are back to normal and still places where aren't they aren't normal. Um, the, 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 also, the interesting question is, is like, how do you handle if we get back in the middle of the season and there's a, a, a rebound or whatever? I mean, yeah. You know, I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a scientist. Uh, uh, I'm not a lawyer anymore. But you, these are things that, like, I've, I have maintained from the day the NBA, the NCAA, Major League Baseball, um, all those places shut down. Places that don't like to lose money gave up a lot of money. That's why I started taking it seriously. Um, and that's on me, but that's also kind of what you have to pay attention to in in our America, um, you know, that also will guide when we open back up. But if, you know, if we end up in a situation where there's a rebound, at what point do you say it's not worth keeping things open again? Um, and they have to look forward at that before and model that before they decide that they're going to, to put people back in situations where it can, it, it, there could be a reinfection spike. You know, I find that kind of interesting, Scott, something you touched on and something that I think relates to this as opposed to kind of what's going on nationally. The idea, like, baseball, Rob Manfred can say, we're not coming back. The NFL, Roger yeah. Goodell can say, we're not coming back, or we are coming back. Like, there's somebody in charge, and this was touched on in the Staples and, and Mandel story, the idea that the NCAA doesn't really have some, like, one person in charge that can install all this. Which, interestingly enough, uh, kind of reflects the national situation in the idea that, like, Scott, you were kind of touched on the idea, like, both, like you said, Alabama is way behind on this stuff and could actually get hit uh, at a later date, and I think parts of Georgia could. But whereas, you know, Virginia, for example, seems to be in a better in a better situation, the idea that, like, certain schools will be open and having students and certain schools won't is a fascinating question. It could be a chance for Hugh Freeze to finally win a national championship, by the way, because Liberty could be the only school that's open. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of an interesting thought. Um, but more provided, to the... <laughs> provided they have any students that are Yeah, safe. exactly. Provided, provided there's anybody actually uh, uh, upright to go. But for me, like that, that's what's kind of interesting about this is I think college football is, is a unique confluence of circumstances and that there's no one person in charge it is uh it is a national sport but it is also one where the power centers are often in places where there are uh there's more resistance uh to uh to a more eagerness to get back to where we were before and um and i say that not just in the south i say that in ohio for example uh you know i think that you i think that you're and if it comes down to, you know what, uh, Liberty's ready to play some football, uh, Alabama, uh, Georgia's ready to play some football, but Alabama isn't. Do you like it? Like, is there one person in charge when you combine that with the fact that like they need this money so badly? <laughs> like, we've already seen Cincinnati drop wrestling. Like, this is not, you know, if if there's no baseball for a year, and hopefully there will be baseball for a year, it will be tough. But baseball will survive. Uh, if there's no NFL for a year, 
it will be hard, but the NFL will still survive. I'm not sure some of these college athletic programs will be able to survive without a year of television money, which therefore makes them more likely to push it. And to me, that's what's really interesting about this is college football has so many different people in charge of their own little fiefdoms, and they all have different risk management uh, things they're able to handle. There's an argument to be made that, that this could, as much clarity as we got from that, there's still a Liberty's got students on campus, Georgia's got students on campus, but Alabama doesn't. What happens then? It's, it's a fascinating situation. Yeah, and 75 to like 90% of those athletic budgets are made up of ticket sales, uh, TV revenue, and donations. Now, for most SEC, ACC schools, probably Big 10, Big 12, they've already got our donations. That's just a small portion of what Georgia say for you know University of Georgia would make because they're going to net five million a home game and then even more for Georgia Florida so it is interesting and I'm kind of repeating what we've been saying is kind of fascinating because what you could have I was thinking more regional but Will you brought up a good point like Washington seems to be handling it better than some states even California from what I read is handling it a little bit better what if and I'm playing the what if game just because we're on a podcast about college football and might as well. What if, say, Georgia had a six or seven game schedule? Uh, maybe they played a regional schedule where they're literally just making it up uh, a couple weeks before, like saying, hey, uh, you know, Mr. Athletic Director at North Carolina, y'all good? Okay, we'll see you in two weeks. Or what if the, Georgia flies out to Washington State to play the Huskies? I don't know. Or maybe they play Georgia Southern. Just on a whim. Um, but it is interesting because nobody knows. I mean, Will, you could write a whole article about the what-ifs of a six- or seven-game season, and you wouldn't be entirely wrong because it's going to be fluid. It's going to be change, changing. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, the revenue is going to push it if the students are back. And I agree with both of y'all. I really enjoyed uh, hearing and reading about here's how we're going to do it because it, it really does give you – uh, a way to kind of take a breath and like you said there's a there's a line in the sand and that's what we as college football fans are looking forward to and crossing our fingers for hoping that we can all get through this as a collective and uh and, and be able to to enjoy some uh, tailgating or uh even some games yeah and there's there's two things that i think comes out of this i think the longer this goes the more likely it is there's some sort of uh weird hybrid playoff um you know that's i mean we saw that with with baseball uh a couple of times we've seen that with football before um you know they uh i I think the senator proposed this idea that let's say season doesn't start to october there's still time to do a truncated um a truncated conference schedule and also to throw a bone to some of the bowls to to highlight uh, you even you maybe do a conference championship game in, um, you know the I don't I don't want I don't want to name a New Year's Six Bowl, but uh, you throw a conference championship game in the Alamo Bowl, the Big Ten championship in the Alamo Bowl or something, and then but then you have eight teams. I mean you already have that ready made. You have six bowl games. They're part of the New Year Six, and uh, you know four you know, four of them are semifinals. Uh, four of them are quarters. Two of them are semis. Then you have your championship game. Uh, and still, especially how late the championship game is this year, uh, that that does allow some some flexibility. The other thing, Scott, you you hit on this pretty early. Um, 
there's also a possibility of a significant seismic shift in um, in, in alignment. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's premature to talk about that, but this does definitely present an opportunity for the haves to do something uh, where the ha have-nots can't. And, um, you know, economic disruption is the same as TV, or it's exactly the same as, as renegotiating TV contracts. Um, I tell you what, the people who, uh, if, if I'm a Pac-12 school with their television contracts and they're uh, already struggling, uh, I, I, I really, uh, I would really be worried if I'm a Pac-12 school that is not um, UCLA, USC, and Oregon, maybe the Arizona schools, just because they have a large natural base that they can they can draw on, and plus they're closer to the Texas schools. Um, and then it, you know we we could be looking at 2008, 9, 10 again, where there is like a, this weird place where places that it would have been hard for us to conceive of then ended up in the Mountain West, still may end up in the Mountain West. And I'm not, you know, Missouri, they, they latched onto the right people at the right time. But man, it's, why, if you're, what's the natural connection between Kansas and University of Texas or, or whatever? I mean, you, those questions will be asked over the next few months, especially if football season is truncated or, or abrogated. So, which I guess brings us to the, the next thing, which is, Guys, G Day was supposed to be Saturday. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it still is, I, Tony. I, yes. I, well, look, I'm I'm very happy they uh, the SEC Network, which we would not be able to see the G Day game on TV if this hadn't happened. But you know, we're getting to see the the, the Notre Dame game, the one here in Athens. Um, I assume it rained. I don't remember. And um, <laughs> I do I do remember it didn't rain. Um, but the uh, you know they're they're going to kick it off at two o'clock. I, I think we're going to. Um, I think we here at the house are going to do some sort of tailgatey thing. Uh, uh, Charlie, my son, asked if we we're going to put the tent up, and I was like, "Yeah, we just might do that. Go get some biscuits or something." Uh, yeah, but um, I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm jonesing to sit outside and drink as opposed to sit inside and drink. <laughs> and um, I mean, I guess I've been sitting outside and drinking, but under a tent. And um, you know, I, I think, yeah, I think there is a, a level of um, level of um, the Notre Dame game is kind of the game we need <laughs> uh, if we're not going to be able to play an, a, an actual scrimmage. Uh, I, I have seen some, a couple of people have passed around. Uh, I think Basson Dog has passed around kind of a, a Zoom tailgate thing at one o'clock if, if you're so inclined to join that. But, um, you know, one of the things that, uh, that that does occur to me, and I'm not talking about G-Day proper. I will, we, we will talk about some G-Day memories in a second about G-Day proper is that the only thing that bums me about this is not being able to see, and, and, and not just be able to see, but actually Jamie Newman getting to work with the receivers and Todd Munkin on actual football stuff. I mean, yeah, they're talking, I'm sure. I'm sure he's looked at plenty of playbooks, plenty of plays, but to actually pick up a football and go out and throw a football to be in the locker room building that rapport. Um, because when you sit down and look at what Jamie Newman did at Wake Forest, um, he was he was more than just a running quarterback. But what they asked him to do is totally different from what George is going to ask him to do. I mean, he was he. I mean, he was option. I mean, he was basically Vince Young minus any receivers and running backs. Uh, and he was asked to carry that team and put him in a situation where 
you're going to have an effective running game because of the running backs. And you're going to have, I mean, if nothing else, you're going to have George Pickens back, at least until he tries to body slam a tech player, which I'm here for, into uh, into a stanchion. Um, and, you you know, it's hard. He just, just the level of talent around him is going to be so different. It's going to be so much fun to see what he does. The problem is, if we didn't have Alabama September 19th, I would not be at all worried. But having Alabama September 19th changes the map a lot. Uh, and, and having all these practices, um, having all these practices and missing all these practices, more importantly, man, there are very few programs other than places that have changed head coaches that uh, have been that probably have had their ceiling lowered as much as Georgia. I, I think that's true, and I and and to be fair, you know, everyone is dealing with this in, its own, in their own way. It's funny you talked. I like when you brought up the Notre Dame game because it reminded me of how good I mentioned this when I talked to Scott last week. How much I love the podcast that's had the uh, that's been playing the played both Notre Dame games on audio, but they also had Kirby Smart on uh, this week. And first of all, I will say, uh, you, you guys know I've been somewhat. I, I've had my moments of uh, of uh, not so much being critical of the program, but being critical of. Perhaps the uh, outward reaching, the public, the public facing uh, part of Kirby Smart. Uh, I have to say, uh, I feel like he has actually handled uh, this very smartly and maturely. Um, you know, football coaches are not known for their perspective <laughs> and their ability to uh, to understand the world outside of football. And I and, and well, let me interject. They are not good with downtime. No, no kidding, no kidding. They're not good with with uh, with with only uh, being stuck in the house and not I good with the, time. Oh my yeah. god, my family! I know, right? <laughs> and I actually thought his attitude was uh, was smart about this and more athlete focused. You had asked him about recruiting, and he talked about. He's like, listen, the main thing we want to make sure from our anyone we're recruiting. Is that like their home situation is okay right now because it is uh, obviously this is scary for for a lot of people and a lot of people that uh, a lot of young kids are maybe in situations that are uh, not conducive to making it through to to being able to handle something like this. I thought his attitude was about was very good. He also correctly noted, uh, responded uh, once again. Uh, note to reporters: Don't ask people about Tiger King. It's a stupid show, and it's not good. <laughs> and I am totally one hundred percent. It's a terrible documentary. There's like huge logic gaps. The guy that made it is a jerk. There's a story that posts about him about how he's like he's a restaurateur who's fired all of his his people uh, and like this giving them no benefits. Doesn't matter. Tiger King is not good. And they ask uh, Kirby Smart about it. He said. Yeah, I like something with him a little bit more substance of that. I've been watching Ozark, and I was like, yep, that's my coach. That's my coach right there. And so uh, I will say I was impressed by the way that uh, the perspective he had, which is actually, I think, a good way to lead into another big thing that happened with the football team, which is uh, Jeremy Klosky, the video coordinator. Uh, there had been reports about, uh, and of course, he's left anonymous, there was reports that a member of the football program had tested positive. And not only did he test positive with COVID, he was actually quite ill. Jeremy Klosky is a, is a, is a video coordinator. I don't know. I actually, I, I will confess, I, 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 I was not familiar with him before, but like he was seriously ill. He was on a ventilator. He was released from the hospital today. Uh, Kirby Smart was there. Greg McGarity was there. Uh, Ron Corson uh, was there. It's a great story in the Athens Banner Herald, which, I've, which I subscribe to and I encourage everyone to do. Uh, and it was really great. And I have to say... That to me felt like the right attitude. We're all worried about recruiting. We're all worried about practice. We're all worried, and I get all of those things. They matter, but like, 
I the, the listen to Kirby Smart talk, he w- did not sound like he was bouncing off the walls, furious that uh, his well played, meticulous, well paid, meticulous plans about college football were getting upset right now. The way that I suspect most college football, uh, like Dabo. You saw Dabo interviewed. He's being a lunatic about all this. He's like, "Why aren't we playing? This is crazy!" Like, it's like he the the attitude that Kirby Smart had to me was so much better than what you've seen from Dabo and some of the other coaches. Uh, and the pers- understand that obviously college football is very important to him. He's a very competitive guy. But the attitude that he had about it, I have to say, as someone that is somewhat skeptical of stuff sometimes, I thought it was the right attitude and and uh, and going at and it made me uh, kind of proud that he was the coach of a program as opposed to maybe some other people. Yeah, he, I mean, it is impressive how his um – I mean, he, he, what was it, a couple of weeks ago, last week, he was doing an interview, and one of the, one of the boys ran in and was like, Dad, there's a snake in the park in the driveway. And, and he was like, okay, buddy, I'm, I'm sorry, I just can't, I, I can't, I'm in the middle of something here. And uh, it was just very human, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you said that about Lion King, uh, Tiger King, Lion King's Tiger a different King. thing. Yeah. Uh, Tiger King, <laughs> because uh, uh, I, I, I did watch Tiger King, because uh, it's not because I hate myself, but it's just like, it's one of those... Moments, and I, I actually told a group of students a little bit ago. They were asking me, like, "So, what about Tiger King?" And I was like, "Yeah, I've watched it. It's like, it's like eating store brand frosting. Um, you know, you know, you're putting something in your mouth, and it's like sweet for a second, but then your mouth is coated. You feel really <laughs> bad about your decisions. Yeah, um, it's just like that's a great it, analogy. It just made me know. It's just like, ugh. It's like, hey, we have all this footage. Let's put it out on TV. It's like." I mean, it's like outtakes from real-world Tulsa. It's just bad. <laughs> yeah. And it's frustrating, too, because, you know, there's obviously a great story in there somewhere. And yeah. there's obviously and interesting the guy just details. missed it. Yeah, and, like, just there's this sneering attitude that I think that the, you know, it's, it's funny, the film was a produced, the, produced by Chris Smith who's one of my favorite documentary filmmakers. He made one of the, the good of the two Firefest documentaries that came out at the end of last year. He made the good one. And he made, uh, <laughs> he made American Movie, which is a great movie that came out a while ago, uh, came out uh, 10 years ago. He's just a really good filmmaker. But and I really wanted his hand on this because uh, I, it really felt very, uh, very, oh, look at this idiot. Here's another. And listen, they're idiots. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, but I, I feel like that was the extent. Yeah. It was just super voyeuristic and super like, hey, look at these, look at these rubes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But anyway, so but the, the overarching thing is, a, I'm glad that the video coordinator uh, is better and I, uh, Jim McCloskey is better. And I thought it was very cool that uh, during this time. You know, uh, they were there. Like he got released from the hospital, and McGarity was there, and Kirby Smart was there, and. Yeah, I think it ties into the overarching uh, attitude that I think that uh, Kirby Smart has displayed in a way that uh, is impressive for a football coach, uh, to say the least. And definitely was considering how many fans I'm hearing being like, "When are we getting sports back? How this is no big deal? Why can't why can't I just have my college football to see the guy that you know runs the Georgia football program?" Having a good perspective on this uh, struck me as a uh, as a good sign. So for virtual G Day. Uh... Here's what's going to happen. It's going to be broadcast, like y'all said, on SEC Network. There is also going to be a Georgia radio broadcast with Chuck, Scott, and Eric uh, on Facebook Live. So you can tune into that. And Kirby is going to be live tweeting 
the game, which I think is awesome. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting thing to to hear what he was thinking. You know, the the, the at mentions he's going to get when it comes down to kicking that field goal at the end versus uh, going for it could be interesting, right there. Uh, Tony might jump into the mentions. Maybe he wouldn't. Um, but that'll be that'll be cool. You know, I, I give them a lot of credit for just making an effort, trying something. It might. It might go over like a lead balloon. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to tune in. I'm interested to see the Facebook Live. They even said Kirby Smart might even pop in on the Facebook Live, which I think is awesome as well. So um, right now, I mean, like anybody really that's taking time to either watch this on YouTube or listen to it uh, on their podcast player, we're just trying to figure out what sports is going to look like, and we miss it. And we're coping with it pretty decently. I mean, it's been 33 days and I'm coping with it, but it's just fun to just kind of figure out what's going to happen uh, in the future, which is what we've talked about. And then with the virtual G-Day, to, to be on Twitter and watch Kirby talk about that game. And it was a nail-biter uh, and how they're up by like two touchdowns, but not really. And then that last play, I, I'm all for it. Yeah, I tell you how bad it's gotten as far as like jonesing for sports. I uh... One day, on the end of last week, I'm down here uh, working, and I listen upstairs, and I hear, um, I hear Georgia game on, and the kids are watching Georgia Texas A and M. I'll know it get, I, I'll, I'll know it's bad when they're watching Georgia Kentucky, but um, <laughs> they, uh, they, uh, so it, it, which led to an entire debate about that game, and they were they were just like into it, even though they, I mean, I think Maggie went to that game with us. Um, I, they were just like really into that game and they're like, isn't that the game? It rained all day. And it's like, well, that's like seven games last year. Uh, <laughs> yes. But, but I said, that's the game where about halftime, the sun came out and it is, you could hear the fans cheer. And sure enough, we got to halftime and you could, I, I thought I'd remember people cheering louder than they were. I guess the state was louder, but uh, there was an audible cheer. And then of course there was the, um, there was a, a conversation you know, between uh, you know, Gary and Gary was like, Oh, look at that. The sun's out uh, mm-hmm. in, in Gary's way. I'd also forgotten that was a game after the Auburn game where um, the the photographer had been run over. Oh, and yeah. uh, I'd forgotten how heartfelt and poignant his apology, his, his mea culpa was. Um, mm. Just it, it just was really genuine. And like a lot of people don't like Gary and there are times I don't, but he was, he is, I think he is uh he has a smarter color geyser is out there, but that, that was a really human moment on his part to uh, the way he talked about the, the things he said and how he said it and just owned it. Uh, I don't know. I, it just, I kind of went down a rabbit hole after talking about Texas A&M, which is what happens when you go to Texas A&M. Hmm. I didn't freeze. I just stopped for a second. <laughs> no, you're good. No, I, I, I figured it was ready right for a Scott transition. Well, I was going to ask you, Tony, what are what are your thoughts? Are, are you going to be following uh, Kirby's uh, tweets tomorrow or on, on Saturday during the, the game? Yeah, I probably will. I mean, like I said, I think we will set up one of the tents out in the front yard and put a table up and just, like, hang out out there. Um, uh, the And then we'll come we'll go to the back porch and watch TV. But, um I'll definitely follow Kirby just because, you know, look, it's um, part of the fun of G-Day for me is the chance, you know, not quite halfway between, but somewhat halfway between, not just to practice tailgate, but to kind of congregate among the Georgia faithful. And 
obviously we're not going to be able to, to, to do that on campus and I'm not going to, be able to see y'all or, or in, you know, for that matter, anybody else. Um, and you know, any, I, I'm looking for sufficient methadone to get me through, um, to get me through whatever it is that we're, that we're going to have. And if this is what they're going to offer, I'm going to give it a shot, you know, it's, especially if it's free at the clinic. <laughs> well, um, do y'all want to get into some, uh, Georgia Jeopardy? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. And uh, oh, we were both very bad at this on the YouTube live, uh, Tony. Well, I I mean, to be fair, he asked me, "Is like, so what is Frank Ross's middle name?" I had (laughs) I had much easier questions and still punked them. So yeah, so you're I'm with you. Um, And yeah, before I uh, get into this, we as a collective podcast, we are going to be re-releasing. My 2018 G-Day video where I interviewed Will and Tony. Uh, so that's going to be re-released on Saturday on our WSLS podcast YouTube channel. So y'all go subscribe and look for that. Shameless plug. Very exciting. All right. Uh, let's get into Georgia football Jeopardy. This All right. is yep. Jeopardy. There we go. All right. So this is the $200 Jeopardy question. Are you ready? And just uh, ring in with your name. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yes. Okay. All right. Can you see this? I'll read it for you. A lightly recruited receiver out of Florida. I'll finish. Okay, Will. A lightly recruited receiver out of Florida. This former Bulldog holds the record for most punt return touchdowns in her career at five. Will? Oh, wait. Now I regret buzzing in. Uh, Who is Nicole Hardiman? That is incorrect. Ah. <laughs> um, Ron Mexico. No, it's uh, I think it's. I mean, I don't think Isaiah McKenzie was lightly recruited, but that's who I'm going with. That's correct. Ah. The correct answer is Isaiah McKenzie, and I put lightly recruited because he was not a five star. Oh well, that's that oh, doesn't mean right. you're not recruited. I love that is a sign of Georgia football that. If you're not five stars, yeah, I have to say that would not that would not be how that question would be phrased on official Jeopardy. Nyuck, nyuck, nyuck. <laughs> All right, good job, uh, Tony. That's correct. So here's your four hundred dollar Jeopardy question. In 2015, here I'm going to reduce that. A little. In 2015, a little known podcast began. They called it WSLS Podcast. That same year. The Georgia Bulldogs football team won 10 games and lost three to these opponents. Tony. Oh, sorry. No, my name. Sorry. My name. Sorry. Okay. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a shot because Tony hasn't said anything yet, and he can get the ones I missed. Uh, Florida. Oh, sorry. What are Florida? Yes. Uh, what are Florida? G- Auburn? And Tennessee. Two out of three. Okay. Tony, do you have a guess? Um, oh, I know which one I missed. Yeah. Oh, Alabama. Damn. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, there we, we lost to Alabama there that year. I was sitting there thinking, I was like, there hold up. Did we lose to Alabama? Yeah. We lost yeah. to Alabama. Oh, yeah, that was a... And then, uh, I have a also, by the way, I have, a, I have a bone to pick with somebody. Somebody was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Grayson <laughs> Lambert lost to Florida. No, friends. No, no, that was come on, man. come on, uh, come on. I, was, sorry. They lost to t- remember they lost to Tennessee uh, on my fortieth birthday. That's right. 
That was a terrible loss, by the way. They that was had, a bad, they were that, that was Chubb. Chubb got hurt. That was yeah. bad all around. A whole thing. All right. That's, uh, so what's the state? Tony, you got that, right? I got two out of three. Well, uh, Will, Will got two. I got, I got uh, whatever a th- two-thirds of 400 is. All right. So y'all are even now. We'll just call it even, yeah, right? Yeah, let's go with that. Okay. Let's All right. Here's the, the $600 Jeopardy, George Jeopardy question is, or statement, or answer is, Brian Schottenheimer served as the Georgia Bulldogs offensive coordinator for one season in 2015. He resurfaced in 2016 as a quarterback coach for this AFC team. Anthony. <laughs> right, go ahead, Tony. Who, who are the Seattle Seahawks? That is incorrect, Tony. Oh, crap. I'll remember now. No, that's also in the NFC, I feel obliged to point out. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. He did say AFC. Um, I think I know this. AFC, All right, Will, what do you got? Uh, this is a team. Uh, who are the Baltimore Ravens? No, that's incorrect. No. If you had said Baltimore Colts, I would have given you half credit oh, to on the name. Colts, yeah. but he was there. From I knew it was a disaster. Yeah, yeah, he was 2016 to 2017. He was uh, coaching uh, Andrew Luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ran him out of football, apparently. <laughs> I guess so. All right, here is the $800 Georgia Jeopardy question or, or answer. You, uh, you, you get the idea. UGA and South Carolina have played every year since 1992. All of those games have been played on a Saturday, except this year when a hurricane postponed it to Sunday. Tony. Tony, what do you got? What is 2016? That's correct. Georgia won the game 28 to 14, and there was no one at that game. It was fun to watch on TV, though. I really enjoyed having a Sunday Georgia football game. Yeah, and I was actually in Indianapolis that weekend for for some strange reason, and I had to watch it on a streaming thing. Uh, And my abiding memory of that is paying attention on Twitter, and I was like, look. South Carolina's about to try an onside kick here, and Georgia's going to return it for a touchdown because, you know, it was buffered five minutes or something. (laughs) All right, good job. Uh, All right, here's the $1,000 Georgia Jeopardy answer. In 2017, the Georgia Bulldogs won 66-27 over this independent Northeast school whose star receiver torched the Dogs for 15 receptions for 219 yards and two touchdowns. Can you name the school and the receiver? What's the Northeast school? <laughs> I can name, uh, okay. I can name the school, be, be, but not the receiver. Go ahead. I'd say I'm going to go get half of it. Uh, uh, William Franklin Leach III. Um, who is Massachusetts? That's correct. And uh, I don't know the guy. I don't know. Jones. Bruno uh, Tinelli. Well, the reason I put this in there is because he plays for your Arizona Cardinals now. Oh, is it uh, uh, Danny Isabella? That's correct. Yes. Danny yeah, Isabella. Right. Danny Isabella. That's right. That's right. I should have done that. I feel like Pierce Hawthorne. Right. <laughs> He's what? I feel like Pierce Hawthorne because I said an Italian name. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he, he did some damage in that game. I mean – you know, that was a complete blowout city, but yeah. he was spectacular. I forgot. He was awesome. And he, they love him in Arizona. By the way, when we're done with Jeopardy, should we, we should probably talk about the draft very briefly because that's also uh, – Well, that's, that's, that's Will, elite. are you in my head? Are you, are you <laughs> I'm always in, head? in your head. I own real estate there. <laughs> we have the final Jeopardy answer. Okay. It okay. revolves around NFL draft. So I guess this is when the music would play or they'd go to commercial break. Uh, so that's gone. So now here is your final Jeopardy answer. 
Four Bulldogs from that special 2017 season were first-round draft picks in subsequent 2018 and 2019 drafts. Can you name those four Bulldogs that were first-round draft picks? Tony, want to just do hot potato on this? Yeah, let's, we, let's, yeah. I was sitting here thinking that, yeah. Okay, okay. Go ahead, Tony. Start us off. Um, Roquan Smith. That's correct. He was picked eighth overall in the 2018 draft. Nick Chubb. No, Nick Chubb, second round. Sorry. Stop. Never mind. Um... Uh, um, um, uh, uh, the guy that just got drafted. Jesus. Um, um, uh, do, do, do. crap. Do, do, do. Isn't that the yeah, bu- buzzer? Yeah, Gurley was not on that team, so, uh, crap. No. Sorry. No, so. Tony? Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle! Ah! <laughs> That's correct. He was drafted 31st overall. I'll give you a hint. There was another one drafted in the first round of 2018, and there, then there was one drafted yeah, in 2019. Nice. Oh, um, go Taylor. Ahead. Who? What's that guy's name? Not Taylor. Andrew. What's that guy's name? That, he's he's on the team now. He's going to be drafted like. That's right, year. right. So I'm off that. Right. I hate you're, you're, you're barking with the right tree, though. Yes, yes. Help me out, Tony. Um, he's thinking of um, Hill. Who? Who was the nope. left tackle? We're out. We're out. Okay. We're out. It's okay. Uh, Isaiah Wynn. I think that's what we're trying to by the Patriots on the 23rd and, pick, and then last year and was the Lorenzo only... Carter. Yeah, yeah, who's no, last he was year? on the team? Yeah, Lorenzo Carter. I don't know. I got must have gotten that wrong. Uh, DeAndre Baker. DeAndre Baker was drafted. Oh, okay. Lorenzo Carter. I don't know. Let's I might have missed him. This falling apart at the seams, man. We better end this podcast. So, uh, can I say say one? I, I, how much more do you have for us? Are the reviews, or are we are we closing up? We're, that's it for me. That's all I got. Okay, so I want to talk about something I, that I was thinking. You know, maybe this is a good way to close. I was thinking while listening to uh, um, to the to the game, both Notre Dame games and the Oklahoma game. I encourage you to listen to the Oklahoma Rose Bowl at every opportunity. It's very pleasant. Uh, the first Notre Dame game is fun to listen to. It's easy. Now we can all just admit that the Notre Dame game last year was maybe not the most exciting game in the world. The, uh, the atmosphere was incredible, but the, you can't tell the atmosphere <laughs> when you're listening. Most everyone was just really, really drunk, and, and it was kind of a, a conservative game. But those first, listening to those games... It reminded me just how, listen, nobody, with the NFL draft coming up, it is really weird that Jake Fromm is done, right? Like, there's something about so much of his history. To listen to that first Notre Dame game, that's his first start. That first Notre Dame game is his first start, and the way that they kind of talk about him they're like, let's see if this kid can handle the pressure. How's this kid go? Wow, that was an impressive throw by Fromm. Look at that. This kid's got some moxie. Because, you know, after Eason was hurt, there was a concern. You know, Fromm's career with Georgia coincides almost exactly with the rise. The rise of all of this uh, is all, uh, it's obviously not entirely Jake Fromm. And last year, we saw how he turned into Nick Fromm a few times. But nevertheless, these big moments in Georgia football history, all of which have revolved around Jake Fromm. How great he was in the Oklahoma game. How great he was in the national championship game. How great he was. Like, it's fine to think two of his best performances were losses that were not his fault at all. The national championship game and the SEC championship game the next year. Fromm is so, such a big part of 
this Georgia football resurgence that we have seen. And up until that Notre Dame game, we weren't sure, right? Like the year before right. had been a little bit of a disappointment, and now Easton was hurt, and you didn't know what you were going to get. Georgia was not favored in that game. Like there was all sorts of concern. They'd lost to Georgia Tech in the last game of the year. They were in a bowl game that people weren't paying attention to because we're above that sort of thing. The vibe was not, you know, what it is now. And all of that has been Jake Fromm. And so there is something weirdly anticlimactic. I understand why Jake Fromm made the decision that he did. I think it, uh, it, Jake Fromm does not owe me anything or you anything or like it's, he's got to take care of himself and no one denies that. It is still bizarre to think that Jake Fromm, this central figure of Georgia football, a guy I would argue is more important to the program than, say, Aaron Murray was. Aaron Murray was great and obviously is an all-timer, more important than a lot of figures in Georgia football. There is still, and I mentioned this when he went in, in the emergency podcast when he went pro, there is something that will always feel unfinished and strange about the fact that this Jake Fromm story ends with him being drafted over Zoom and probably on the second day of the draft, because uh, he's not going the first round, and the first round is only Thursday. Also, by the way, I never watched the NFL draft, and I am watching the shit out of the NFL draft this year. I never watched the NFL draft. I can't wait to watch the NFL draft this year. Uh, sorry, bleep that. But uh, more to the point, there is something very, like, it feels wrong somehow that Jake Fromm uh, didn't finish it. Maybe it'll work out great because maybe there will be no senior year that he would have come out for. Maybe it worked out perfect for, perfectly for him. But it still feels weird that like that sort of, yep, that's our guy. That's our guy getting judged. Remember when Aaron Murray went to the Chiefs and like you didn't think he was going to hang out very long, but you always kept an eye on him. You're always like, that's our guy. I think obviously we're all going to follow Fromm and hope he does well. But it doesn't feel like, you know what, in 10 years, 15 years, Jake Fromm will be a beloved figure here, but he won't be Buck Blue. He won't be, you know, he won't be uh, what, uh, uh, you know, you, he won't be even McElroy in Alabama. Like the kind of figures that like finished it off and were beloved forever. He will, uh, uh, and, and he's going to have a pro career where probably he's going to be like, Maybe he surprises me in the Patriots. He turns into Tom Brady, uh, game manager of the Patriots. That seems unlikely. Scouts certainly don't think that's going to happen. But maybe that does happen. But it still feels weird to think that, like, he's now he's just in the system. Now he's just another piece of meat for the NFL that they're just going to chew up and spit out just like they did with, with, with Murray and all these other f- figures that were deeply uh, closely connected and beloved by Georgia football fans. To see that happening now and to feel like it is uh, there's something unfinished about it, it's disorienting. It's it, it's disappointing, and I understand it. And I and clearly the fact that there may be no maybe maybe no college football season this year, he clearly made the right choice. But it feels strange to think, oh yeah, Jake Fromm is going to get drafted in the next couple of days. It, I don't feel emotionally invested in it the way that you know this this player that we've watched for the last three years has been so pivotal to everything that Georgia football did. It feels it, it just feels incomplete. Yeah, I think the weird part about it, and maybe it's not the weird part about it. I think the very I, all fans are this way, but UJ fans are, are very much this way. Um, I think we'll see. A, there will come a time down the road where. You know, 
let's say let's say we do have a season and Jamie Newman wins a national championship, or Brock Vandergriff comes in and wins one, or Carson Beck wins one, or Dewan Mathis wins one, or Stetson Bennett wins one, whomever. Um, there will always kind of be that um, kind of like a wink and a nod. Arms wasn't the one. He wasn't the one that quite couldn't get it done. Yeah. He was the one that quite couldn't get it done. And and that is um, that's a shame because I think you're exactly right. And and kind of you started your screed with the the concept of the rise of Georgia coincides with where has it from. And um, you know I remember sitting very vividly sitting in the stadium after Easton went down, thinking like, wow, this season went downhill in a hurry mm-hmm. we got to go yeah. to notre dame next week are you <laughs> kidding me and then we win there and i'm like man these these guys could win the whole thing <laughs> i mean it just changed that fast because you know we've used the term moxie with jake from everyone's used the term with moxie he hasn't and if he um if he does catch on the league and he does become a game manager uh yeah I, a buddy of mine that's a huge raiders fan asked me what i thought about him. it's like well i said you know his mid-range is andy dalton his super high range is uh, Brady. And honestly, couldn't tell you where he goes. He's got to fix some footwork. He's got to he's got to learn it's okay to make mistakes sometimes and just let it let it go. Um, but you know, as far as somebody that's gonna win the locker room and somebody's got a head on his shoulders, somebody's gonna learn the playbook and be able to get people in the right place at the right time, and he's Peyton Manning in that way. Um, but you know there will be some provisions, especially if Georgia wins the national championship in the next couple of seasons. That it is. Yeah, okay, I agree. I just want well. to say that. Yeah, no, I couldn't have said it any better, and I won't try to say anything else because I think y'all both covered it completely. And you know what? I hadn't even been thinking about that until you brought it up. Now that's kind of top of mind. So I'm going to be looking and kind of thinking that way. So thanks, Will. In yeah, a good way. And I mean that. Yeah. I mean that because oh, I, I, get I think it. you, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, like I, like I am now curious what mm-hmm. happens to Jake Fromm in the NFL, as opposed to deeply invested into what happens to Jake Fromm in the NFL. And that's not his fault. He don't owe me nothing. Like, you know, that's fine. You do whatever you want to do yourself. But you know, the, the, you know, someday uh, it's going to be 20 years from now. And, uh, Georgia, if Georgia's won a national championship, it's going to be he, he's not going to be the one that did it, and uh, and so the person that is is running the, that has the car dealership, and is running the and is brought out uh, to cheer, get everybody fired up before uh, at every homecoming, it's not going to be him, and uh, and I think that's a uh, that's a shame considering what he all did. It'd be like if Tony just left this podcast early for another one, you know, still. <laughs> I think it's all. I think they've stopped all of that now. Yes, I think that even. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that now uh, it is. Uh, That's my last thing on this, and because I know we all got to go. Uh, I do think it's funny that uh, that the NFL general managers are all like, "We can, How can we possibly do the deep chemistry and scientific, uh, the complicated mix of the NFL draft from our homes? No, how can like? Come on, dude, you're like." I hope this makes all the NFL drafts in the future all happen online. Because again, may I remind you, it is just people reading names off a list. That's all that it is. I'm still going to watch it, but that's all that it is. You got a point?
It was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Good job, Tony. Right. Well, well, be safe, everyone. Be safe. I'm not. I'm not hectoring anyone. Look at me in this week. I'm not hectoring anyone. Everyone's great. I love you all, and I miss you all, and I will never, ever, ever complain about anything involving Georgia football until football starts, and then I will completely <laughs> complain about things all the time. All right, everyone. Be safe, everybody. Uh, we'll talk soon, and hey, go dogs. Good job, gentlemen. All right, we got in under an hour. Look at that. We're amazing. And thanks so much for listening. And for those of you who viewed the entire uh, podcast episode on YouTube, appreciate that. If you haven't subscribed to our show, uh, we're putting up more and more content. I hope to have up a special uh, G-Day, I guess, look back for sometime on Saturday. So just uh, go ahead and subscribe to WSLS Podcast on YouTube. And of course, you can always find us on social media at WSLS Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, even Facebook. We don't really do Facebook that much, but we have an account, so you can follow us there. But um, yeah, we hope to see you all on campus sometime very soon, hopefully this fall. I guess a full schedule, 12 games. We really want to really look forward to 12 games, but we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, until then, uh, enjoy your weekend, stay safe, and uh, as always, go dogs.